Thank you for listening to the Convergence House of Prayer podcast. Please enjoy this message by Pastor Greg Seamus. Y'all smile at me, would you? Like Jesus is like Lord of your life. Want to smile about that? Wow. You ever uh, been in a season where the Lord is so growing you so fast? That you can't keep up and you can't digest it all. It's kind of where I'm at right now. So I never know what I'm speaking on on Sunday because there's so much going on in me. Really, I mean, the Lord is... I love those seasons. And I... I so I'm, I'm... I got a whole year ahead of me that I can just go and map it all out. But the Lord is still... Putting pieces together, not broken pieces, but pieces together. And I love that. And I can't wait to let it go, uh, if you know what I mean by let it go. Like, minister, right? So, uh, I'm trying to get this thing ready because I have, it's a new day, and now I'm digital. And so, you guys got awfully quiet. Didn't we have a good time of worship? Yes. I'm not a big social media guy. I've always told myself I need to be. But it's hard. Isn't it? For young people, like for, you know, they grew up on social media and iPhones and all that, it's easier. For me, it's harder. And I'm like, I'm a leader. I need to be on social media. I need, at least I need to be on Facebook. You know, because that's where you, everyone seems to start, is on Facebook. And then every once in a while I post. But I do follow several people on Instagram. And some of them is, some, some people are just like humorous, because I need that. So you guys ready for some humor? I'm just going to throw out one piece of humor. It may, it's some might not be funny, but me and Jordan, we both love puns. Do you know what those are? It's not short for punctuation. It amazes me how much exercise and extra fries sound alike. I wish I had more, but that's all I have. But I thought it was kind of fitting. Moving into the Thanksgiving time, I talked with somebody. This morning, I'm not going to go ahead and release that person's testimony. It is a testimony because they said they haven't eaten for three, they really haven't eaten much for three weeks getting ready for Thanksgiving. (laughs) Dude, I do not have that discipline. Does anyone else have that discipline? Like you just, you're you're rocking it? Because I just want to have an altar call for me. (laughs) And you guys can pray for me. As you know, every single year we go to Reading. And the whole Johnson clan, they, you know, they kill everything, you know, <laughs> hunt and all this venison and stuff. But we have, have a huge family now. And so we have gluten, non-gluten and, you know, this and that. And this has, you know, that. We have like, we have multiple food items. I never go to the non-gluten. <laughs> and I never go to the sugar-free I figure I can have sugar-free when I come back. I'm going to sugar up. Do you know what I'm talking about? Is there anyone else in the room? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, see? At least we're honest in this room. But I didn't, like, not eat much for three weeks. So I have a problem. You know my wife, Wendy, the one who preached? She can eat virtually anything she wants. And not gain weight. So frustrating. I'm really thankful, actually. But so frustrating. I, when I'm sleeping, I'm just going to ask her, just lay your hands on me. And pray for my metabolism. That would be a glorious day. That would be a glorious... Anyway, I'm, now I'm into another zone. She's like, get out of that place. 
because that's how she is. She doesn't want me to talk. Okay. Well, this, this, uh, this week, <clears throat> I was thinking about and praying about what to speak. Sometimes I, I can jump on a series, and I feel like, we're, we're like we can actually plan that out. Other times, uh, the series kind of unfolds from week to week. So we've kind of been doing that. And, um, but, this, but, you know, and then it's Thanksgiving, right? So, you know, hey, do I, Lord, what do I do? Do I talk about Thanksgiving? What's on your heart? Because I, I ask the Lord every week, what's, up, what's, on his, um, what's on his heart? Like, I have plans, but what's on his heart, right? Um, and hopefully my plans and what's on his heart, they meet somewhere, right? And I felt like the Lord says, um, teach on faith. And I said, um, wow, that's kind of an interesting topic to teach on. Thanksgiving weekend. Well, not Thanksgiving weekend, the weekend before Thanksgiving weekend. <clears throat> and, um, and so I, I, said, I said, yes, we're going we're to talk about that today because I need to hear it. And I love speaking on things I really need to hear. Does that make sense? Because it's not making sense, a whole lot of sense to me. But hopefully it's making sense to you. And um, <clears throat> there's three things that the Lord says. There's three things in the, in the scriptures that I really, you know, if I, if I had a big bullseye, you know, like, you know, this, these rings. And I was thinking about this during worship. The greatest of these is love, right? But there's three that remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is, is love. There's three that remain, though. Faith, hope, and love. And I felt like I had this picture in worship that if there was a bullseye, and in the center, well, we know Jesus is going to be in the center. But in terms of my expression, my lifestyle... There really needs to be three things that actually remain that need to be in the center. Because this year has been a year where our team has really been, been talking a lot about clarity and simplicity. Because the Christian life can be complicated. There's so many things in the word that we can talk about. But I have to have clarity and I want to live my life simply. Does that make sense? I know that doesn't really fly really a lot here in the Silicon Valley because everything's so complex. There's coders and engineers and all this stuff. But as, as born-again believers, if we, can just, if we can drill it down to simplicity and clarity, fight for clarity, live simply, I think that we become more, more effective. I, at least I'll become more effective. And, and so one, thing we learned, one of the things that we learned this year, I'm already drifting, I'm talking to Jesus as I'm talking to you. One of the things that we learned this year is that the mind, the mind runs away from confusion and fights for clarity. God has wired in us a, uh, not even a desire, God has wired in us this, this intense fight for clarity. And so when we have clarity, so if you see a bunch of things that are, that's confusing, it's, we tend to move away from that, give it to us clearly. And when I talk about the three that remain, faith, hope, and love, that's simple and that's clear for me. If I could be in a place where I love God and I love you, Someone says, um, the definition of true freedom is when you're right with God and right with man. When I'm right with God and I'm right in my relationships, I experience freedom. That makes sense? And so we're going to jump on this, this thing about faith, and I have no idea how I'm going to land the plane. I do know how I'm going to land the plane. Isn't that amazing? 
You can just say, thank you, Jesus. He knows how to land this plane today. <laughs> We're going to have the worship team come up in just a little bit. Wasn't that intense worship? I mean, beautiful worship. <clears throat> if we are to see heaven come to earth in our lives, in the lives of our families, and in the marketplace, we have to know and understand faith. Many of us, if I can, I'm talking to a room of leaders, right? So say I'm a leader. That was, that was very weak. <laughs> I'm a leader. Say I'm a leader. I'm a leader. Maybe you would feel more comfortable if I were to say, say you're a minister. <laughs> I've been telling you for six months to a year that you are all ministers of the gospel. Please, I do not want to retreat back here. So everyone say, say I'm a minister. I feel like I have to start back there. I'm a minister of the gospel. I carry the anointing. Holy Spirit lives inside of me. I can heal the sick. I can raise the dead. I can see people come to Jesus. I can lead them to the Lord because I'm a minister in the name of Jesus. Amen. How's you, how are you guys feeling right now? But a lot of us in our journey, we're not super clear about faith. And I'm still, I'm still learning about faith. And one of the traps that I fall into more often than I care to admit is that there are times when I step out in faith and the thing that I'm stepping out in faith for does not happen. So I become discouraged. Everyone ever been discouraged? We become discouraged, we might become confused, and we, become, we might become tired. But the Lord still requires me to have faith. Now, I'm not talking about a faith that he gives all men, because he's given every man a measure of faith. I'm talking about a faith that is expressed in a more in a deeper way, in a more relational way, and it might even be called the gift of faith. Because he does give us the gift of faith. My, my, my fear, or what I'm kind of wrestling with this morning, in a good way, what I'm wrestling with is that I don't want God's ministers or myself, I don't want our congregation to not step continue to step out in places of faith because you've experienced disappointment. I don't want us to shrink back from, from doing what the word says because we've been disappointed, we're confused, and we're in a place of doubt, so we're hesitant. And I'm not telling you that it's easy to take steps of faith that you feel are from God only to see that the things that you were believing for did not transpire or they have not transpired yet. Is there anybody in the room that might feel like that? I don't believe there's anybody in this room that has batted I'm using a baseball illustration, though I'm not a big baseball fan, sorry. A thousand, or more appropriately, took 23 pointers and made 23 pointers. That's where I live. So, I want to share with you is I know your struggles. Like I have been there. I have seen 
great victory in areas of faith, and I've seen disappointment in areas of faith. I've seen where I've, I felt like faith came easy, and then I felt like I can't work up, I can't even get any faith for this. Am I speaking to anybody? And I'm not going to bring it to the table each and every Sunday morning, but I'm telling you, this is how it works out in my time with God because I'm a disciple just like you. Wow, it's so quiet in here. So let's take a fresh look at faith. Can we do that? Kind of redefine it. But it's true when Paul writes in 1 Timothy, which is really one of his last epistles or his last letters before he dies. And he says to young Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. He writes 2 Timothy, and then he goes to be with the Lord. So the last words of a person are generally the most important. What's he saying? He's saying, Timothy, I know you understand faith, and sometimes faith, apprehending faith, can feel like a fight. And I want to encourage you, it's worth the effort to fight for places of faith. But Pastor Greg, you don't know the places I've been. You don't understand the struggles I'm facing. You you see, I'm still sick. I still have pain in my body. I've been doing this for 20 to 30 years. I've been praying, I've been praying, I've been praying. Don't quit. But you don't know about my kids. Don't quit. Fight the good fight of faith. But I feel like quitting. Come on, man. I'm tired. I've been disappointed. How can I work up, we say these words, how can I work up the faith to meet that again? Fight the good fight of faith. Are you guys there? I know it's Thanksgiving, I'm almost done. I just got through the intro. Hebrews 11.1. Let's take a look at this verse. So take your digital Bibles out. And I forgot to put this puppy in airplane mode. Why Why doesn't anything work when you want it to? Talk about the good fight of faith. What? Do I go like this? I do. Yeah, just, just too much stuff. Are we there? Now faith. Let's define it, because I like to define stuff to get context. That's important to me. Oh, and the Hyatts are here. Golly, where are you guys at? Right there, right there. Where's Johnny and Gina? Are they out getting coffee in the coffee bar? Oh, Gina. You're back again. Wow, where's Johnny? Where do you, where do you go? Put your hand up. Dude, where you at? Gina, where's he at? He's not here. <laughs> Typical Johnny. All right, so when you guys see him, give him a big, long hug. All right? Say, I will. All right. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith, this, things keep flying in. Jordan, don't text me anymore. Now faith is the assurance, it's my son, 
Now faith is the assurance. Now this is how the Amplified. The confirmation, the title deed of things we hope for being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Now that is a mouthful, man. I mean, talk about trying to gain clarity on that verse. So let's just take it phrase by phrase and we'll see where it ends up. Faith is assurance. Now, some translations say faith is the substance of things hoped for. That word is assurance. And that means, let me give you some other words. Faith is confidence. Faith is certainty. Faith is confirmation. Faith is conviction. So faith is the confidence, the certainty, the confirmation, and the conviction of things we hope for. Faith brings certainty and confidence to hope. Faith is the substance of hope. Faith is the lifeblood that actually takes a wish and makes it a hope. Are you guys there? So faith brings certainty and confidence to hope with conviction of its reality. Through the prayer of faith, we are able to pull the reality of his world into this one. This is why faith is supernatural. Faith lives in the invisible. Toward the visible. Faith lives from heaven to earth. Faith sees. Faith brings his realm, his rule into focus. So faith lives and faith sees. Faith is anchored in the unseen realm, not which is not that which is seen. If you have your eyes on what is seen, then you're going to probably move away from the place of faith to unbelief. Faith has to have a place. I'll just say this. Faith camps itself in heaven and we resource faith when we encounter Jesus. The kind of faith that the Bible talks about is a faith that's anchored in relationship. So if, we're, if I'm distant from God, my faith will be lacking. And there are seasons when the Lord will pull you into a greater level of relationship so he can anchor you into deeper streams of faith. In other words, there are seasons where where, you know, we have our routines. We have our Bible times and we have our times, you know, whether it's our worship time, or whatever it is that we have our routines and the Lord's gonna require a little bit more so he can deepen the faith, the well of faith inside of us because faith is anchored to a relationship. It's not something that you just poof, it comes out of heaven and into our hearts. It comes through Jesus by the Holy Spirit into the believer. 
So when I'm discouraged, it's not a time for me to run away from the Lord. It's a call for me to go deeper in God. But I want to run away. I don't want to deal with that problem anymore. I don't want to go through, I don't want to take that next step. I don't want to, I don't want to go deeper than what's required. You ever feel like that? So I want to pull back and the Lord is inviting me into a greater stream, a greater well of intimacy. Oh, come on now. Are you guys alive? Okay. I'm just chucking. So it says in Colossians chapter 3, 1 through 3, you can just write this down. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God and set your minds on things above, not earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Set your heart and set your mind where it has to be anchored somewhere. Faith lives in the revealed will of God. Unbelief is anchored in what is visible and what is reasonable apart from the Lord. Why? Because it has no connecting point to heaven. I can fill my mind with uh, reading Twitter on all the political things that are happening, everything that's happening, everything that I can fill my mind with social media, I can fill my mind with uh, RSS feeds just for the sake of staying current and all that kind of stuff. And I'm telling you, if I don't anchor myself here, unbelief begins to creep into my heart. As believers, we cannot live in a place of what I would call Bible poverty. We can't live in a place where there's a poverty in our in presence and grabbing a hold of what God is doing in our lives and just being with him. We cannot afford to do that. Because what will happen is that things will come into our lives and into our minds about ourselves and about that aren't in his You guys all right? You guys are, I know, it's just kind of quiet. I understand. (laughs) Through faith, man is able to come into agreement with God. So by faith, we understand. In Hebrews 11.3, I love this verse in Hebrews 11.3. By faith, we understand. Uh, That's a good verse. Let's say, let's just try it again. By faith, I do it this way. By faith, in America, we want to understand to have faith. I want to understand something to have faith for it. In the kingdom, that's illegal. In the kingdom, I have faith first. And I understand later. It's a hard place to live. Especially when we're dominated by a Greek westernized culture that idolizes rationality. And I'm linear. 
I'm one, two, three guy. I like to build things upon things. And the Lord is requiring me to have faith first and understanding second. Yeah, that's why I married Wendy. You know, when we started, when we were ready to launch a Harvest House Church, which is Convergence House of Prayer now in 1996, there was a process. I'm 33 years old. I mean, Jesus, you know, 33. I mean, he was resurrected, but he went to the cross at 33, right? So there I am, and the Lord says, hey, I have a great idea. Why don't you leave this big church that you're in and go plant one? I'm all, get thee behind me. That is not the Lord. I know the Lord's voice, and that is not it. You guys ever been there? You're like, no. I'm a disciple. No. I'm supposed to say yes. No. No, that is not. But the Lord's good. He's a good dad. He's patient with us. So... Long story short, he goes ahead and says, I'm opening up, I'm reading the Bible, and I'm reading Jack Hayford's Spirit-Filled Life Bible. Anyone know what that one is? So the Lord speaks to me in a footnote. That's not even legal. That's not even legal. You're speaking to me in a footnote? Why can't it be a verse? So there's a commentary in there. It's talking about Samuel. And he says, Samuel leaves the place. He goes from here, goes back to his birth and family. And there he builds an altar to the Lord. I had no idea that our logo would be an altar in 1996. Faith is unreasonable. You ever wrestle with God? That, Lord, does not make a, any a sense. No sense. I'm 33 or 34. I have two children. I'm in a big church. We have a salary. We have a financial thing. I am set. I live in Oregon. And I, anyway, I want to go back to the bay. I live in here and that's it. I'm open though. I'm open. By faith we understand. So what am I supposed to do? Do what God says. But I wasn't dumb in the sense of I got some people around me And I would say, hey, what do you think about this plan you think the Lord's doing? And I was hoping they would say, that's a bad idea. Don't do it. And then I would claim the proverb somewhere, in the counsel of many, there is wisdom. And I could tell the Lord, see, I don't have to do it. Not one said that. My father-in-law, yeah, go ahead. I see the gifts in you. Talk to my brother-in-law. Or, yeah, go ahead. Yay, God. (laughs) By faith, we understand. What's the requirement? Hear the voice of God. And do what he says. I sought the counsel of people I trust. I thought I trusted. (laughs) (laughs) 
Let me just kind of wrap it up here. Faith, then, is both evidence and assurance. Faith brings into reality what is not seen or even sensed. That's why your connection with heaven has to be so important. That's why we, around here, talk a lot about this place of intimacy with God, getting close to the Lord, opening up the word. People say, well, God just doesn't speak to me. Well, it's because your Bible is like this. When you do this, he's speaking. And when you do this, he's not. I don't know. I try and keep things simple. Well, where do I start? Start with John 3.16. That's a good one. Just start there and meditate on it. What's God saying to me? Anyway, that's another day. So faith anchors itself in the unseen and unbelief anchors itself in what is seen. Faith grabs a hold of what is happening in heaven and brings it here to earth. Faith takes what is taking place in heaven and appropriates it. Faith enables us to take hold and possess the reality of what God has promised before the promise is even realized. Faith takes the invisible into the physical. The invisible reality into the physical reality. 2 Corinthians 5.17 We walk by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians 4.18 While we do not look at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen. How do you live like that? I mean, really. Did you just read Paul? While we do not look at the things which are seen, what are you talking about? I see everybody in this room. We do not look at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen. I want to have faith for that. If I'm supposed to live the Christian life the way God has engineered me to live because he's actually built within me the capacity to do this. It'd be unfair for him to require something that he hasn't built in me to actually produce. So that means I have the ability and the capacity to do this. That means you have the ability and the capacity to do this. Oops. In other words, Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians that I live in a different realm and bring that reality into this one. Wow. So do you. Say amen. Amen. I'm going to close with this story. Take your Bibles. because This is going to be a fun story. I'm trying to find the verse. Where am I at? I know where it's at. Because I already bookmarked it. Oh my gosh. It just came apart. The Lord has an amazing sense of humor. That is an amazing sense of humor. Lord, you just embarrassed me in front of my whole congregation. Wow. I mean, it was coming apart already, but right now, really? It couldn't be in my office. It couldn't be at home. It had to be right here, 1230. 2 Kings chapter 6. <laughs> Old Testament. Old Testament still legal. My Bible's falling apart. I need to 
I need one of those leather places or something. How many of you guys have an old Bible? You just, it's hard to part with it, man. All your notes are in it. Right, Cindy? Look at Cindy's, man. She had red duct tape all over it. Oh my goodness, Cindy. I love it though. It's well read. People who read their Bibles a lot seem to have not as many problems. Spurgeon said that. I didn't, I, Spurgeon said that. I just want to let you know, old refine, uh, retired refiner, whatever he is, revivalist. All right. This is a great story. Verse 8. Can I just keep you for 10 more minutes? All right. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. And after conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such such a place. Isn't that funny? Where are you going to set the camp? Oh, such and such. (laughs) The man of God, this is the power of the prophetic. And I love the prophetic, but look at this. Verse 9. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, that would be Elisha, beware of passing that place, what place, such and such, (laughs) because of the Armenians, or Armenians, Arameans, are going down there. So the king of Israel checked out the place, checked on the place, indicated By the man of God, time and again, Elisha warned the king time and again. That was more than once. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. Where? Such and such. (laughs) Such places. I'm having fun with you, right? This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them. When the king demands something, it's life and death. Demanded on them, will you not tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? In other words, I have a betrayer in our midst. I have a double agent in our midst. Verse 12. Verse says, Someone says, none of us, my lord, the king said, uh, one of his officers, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you, have, you speak in your bedroom. I mean, if we can dial into the prophetic like this, where the enemy is making, trying to, to sow into certain nations, and we have a prophetic voice that's as if they were in the enemy's bedroom. That word there just simply means even in the place of intimacy where you are at, the prophet's there. Wow. No secret things. Verse 13, go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back, he is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there, and they went by night and and surrounded the city. Dothan, which we don't have time to develop, was the same place that Joseph was captured, taken by his brothers, or was near Dothan. Kind of same location. So what's happening? The plans of the enemy is being thwarted, if that's, you know, that's an older word, being whatever by Elisha in such a way that when the king wants to do such and such, Elisha is telling the king of Israel of the such and such, The king of Israel discovers the such and such and avoids this enemy coming here and he goes over here and is frustrating this king over here to no end and he says, go get that Elisha. I'm going to take care of that dude. 
So they find out that Elisha is in this city called Dothan and he sends a whole army just to make sure. And by night, they surround the city. Now here's a, this is a lesson on living from heaven to earth. And this is an Old Testament revelation. This is not even a New Testament revelation, which we now have the Holy Spirit inside of us. We are, our hearts are redeemed, and Jesus dwells on the inside of mankind, you and me. This is an Old Testament revelation. Still legal, but Old Testament. So I just want you to understand the greater reach we have as New Testament believers. When the servant, so you ever felt surrounded, first of all? You ever felt surrounded by the enemy, first of all? You ever felt like the enemy's encamped around me? And there's really no way out. I don't see any way out. This is how it is. And it's not just Elisha and his servant. This is about a whole city. When the servant of the man of God got up. Now, I think that's, that's uh, I had his name. G something. Anyway, Gehazi. Gehazi, whatever. Gehazi, that's it. Thank you. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning... An army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. I mean, I was I was looking I was looking at these words because I'm ready to let go of something here. Anyway, I can't even find just too many chords on this thing. It's so confusing. It's a whole chord chart. Thank you. So the servant of the Lord comes up. He sees the army surrounding the city. And he says, oh, my Lord, what shall we do? Ever felt like that? You don't understand about my life, PG. Like, I feel like I'm surrounded by the enemy. I don't know what to do. I've been there, have you? You ever been in that place? I have. Verse 16. Elisha says, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes so he may see. That's the prayer of faith. Lord, open my eyes so I can see. Lord, I see what's in front of me. I see the enemies camped around me. I feel like this prophet here, this friend of the prophet who says, what shall we do? I see it. And the prophet, his prayer is not his statement to the the Lord or even to this person is, how can you be so dense? It was, a rather, it was a prayer more like, Lord, open his eyes to let him see the greater reality. It's the prayer of faith. I mean, I, can't, I still can't find, how's that phrase go? In our worship? Yeah, what's the first part of that? Oh, that's what he said. Though it looks like we're surrounded. We're surrounded by. It was supposed to come out better than that, but I can't find the phrases with all these chords. What was Elijah's response? Lord, open his eyes. Let him see the greater reality. Though we're surrounded, we are surrounded by you. And Elisha prayed, 
O Lord, open his eyes so he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And as the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike these people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Lord, you don't, you don't quite get it. We're surrounded. We're two people. There's an army around us. We really don't know what to do. Open his eyes and let him see the greater realm. That's what he's saying. Let him see what his, eye, his natural eyes cannot see. Let him, let him see something that's greater than the reality that's in front of him. Because this is how I fight my battles. Though the enemy's surrounding me, you surround me. Listen, what are we saying here? What he's saying is that there's a greater reality that's encamped around you, greater than what's facing you. It doesn't matter what, what artillery or what armor or whatever else you see coming against you, there are, there are chariots of fire, there are horses that surround you. This is an Old Testament reality that pales to what is for you today. What's amazing about this story, which we don't have time to develop, this entire army is struck with blindness. Elisha walks that entire army six hours to Samaria and they, they go with him. Because he doesn't say, I'm Elisha. He just says, hey, I know where Elisha's at. He's in Samaria. Six hours. They go into Samaria. Samaria is dominated by the Israelis. He hands him over to the Israeli king. The Israeli king is shocked. And the Israeli king says, do we kill him? Listen to this response. Elisha says, don't kill him. Feed them. So the scripture says that the king throws a great feast for this army. How do we overcome evil? Wow. So the goodness that was expressed by the king to this enemy army, they go back to Aram. They tell him what happens and Aram never touches them again. Isn't that a crazy story? Here's the point. I think if I can kind of bring it somewhere. I can walk by faith for several reasons. One is greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I can walk by faith because... I have a heavenly father who's looking after me and his, has his highest good directed toward me every moment of my life. Listen, God's plan is never to sabotage me, ever. I might be tired. I might be weary. I might be delusioned. I might have delusion. I might have confusion. I might have doubt. I, it's just because I haven't arrived yet. And I would encourage you, fight the good fight of faith. Don't give up. I know when, I, when I'm giving up is when I don't, I don't talk to the Lord. You ever been there? And so now there's a war in my heart about what I'm seeing in the goodness of God. That's the battleground. And I'm just saying that if you just persevere, maybe, maybe it won't transpire in this life, but maybe you'll be a seed that is, you know, every seed dies for someone else's life. 
for someone else's breakthrough. I would encourage us all, let's be people who live from heaven to earth. Let's be people who walk by faith and not by sight. Let's be a people who actually are relentless on pulling down heaven to earth. Not just for our our community, not for our families. And a lot of us are getting together with families this week. I just pray for open doors because we have to learn this is how we fight our battles. Yeah, so let's go ahead. Let's all stand. I'm going to make one final attempt. Maybe it's on the other page. I don't even know where to start. Start with the bridge. And let's sing it together. Really? Okay, you start wherever you want.
We hope you enjoyed this message. For more messages like this, please subscribe and thank you for listening.